You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a b- But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! Here are your hosts, Joe Galena, Frank Stample, and Mike Florio. And welcome to Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Joe Galena. I'm here with Frankie Cheech Stanfield. What's up? How's it going there, Frank? You know, it's not bad, Joe. It's nice weather. It's not too hot, not too cold outside. So, you know what? I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging the Saturday. Uh, it's it's, it's segueing. Into fall, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, nice, it's not though. too hot, not too cool. It's 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 nice, and we're together on a Saturday afternoon, and we're going to preview a lot of Week Two Sunday fantasy football. Yep, and uh, if you're lucky, maybe we'll even get to the Monday night game. Yeah, maybe those I, are your guys. Yeah, I know we get we do have to talk about the Giants. I, I do have something to say about Eli, and and again in um, in Week Two we have another situation with Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I don't know. Is he dancing with the stars this week? Uh, that's a good question because uh, you know we see a video of a dance off with Russell Westbrook, but you know his status is still in question of whether he can play. He can dance, right. but he can't play. Yeah, we're talking so, about Odell Beckham Jr. dealing with an ankle injury, kept him out of a Week One matchup uh, against the Cowboys on Sunday night, and the Giants just look pretty bad. But we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, if you want to join in. Uh, give us a call, 844-843-6879. If you have any lineup questions, uh, we'll answer them for you. Or you could tweet out to us at FNTSY Radio. Uh, what do you want to start real quick? Uh, Bengals? Yeah, we could talk about some stuff that happened in that game. You know, mm-hmm. On Fantasy BFS Thursday, we started the show. I said, you know what? I'm pumped for some football tonight. Even though it's the Bengals and the Texans, I take it all back, Joe. It, it was... <laughs> An absolute crap showing from both sides. I mean, I think we expected it to be a defensive game yeah. like most Thursday night football games are, but it's just the lack of using A.J. Green in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Mixon still kind of in this running back by committee, even though Jeremy Hill continues to do absolutely nothing. Uh, it's led to the firing of Ken Zampezi, right. the offensive coordinator. Well, former offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Look, at least the one good takeaway I guess you could do from this game is DeAndre Hopkins, even with Deshaun Watson in there, even with the Texans' offensive line not being good, he's still getting force-fed targets. 13 mm-hmm. targets in that game. And in a PPR, he's showing that he has a pretty safe floor. I mean, 7 for 73, it's not a great game, but 14 points in a PPR, that's not bad from your wide receiver, too. So, I mean, that's one positive takeaway. We'll get into that a what little about bit more. Deshaun Watson, too? Uh, nice run. Yeah, no, that silky smooth run. That was a spectacular run. And, you know, he's going to have to do a lot of that because uh, just the way that this offensive line is built right now and they don't have one of their their best offensive linemen. He's currently in a holdout. uh, This is going to be this is going to continue to be a lot of what Deshaun Watson has to do is escape the pocket because as soon as he drops back, it it seems like there are defenders in his his face right away. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we'll be uh, talking about some of the injuries that you're going to have to deal with the week two on Sunday in fantasy football. We'll be right back with more weekend fantasy update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Since 1995, Real-Time Fantasy Sports has been the most trusted site in the fantasy industry. Home to an award-winning commissioner service and endless money leagues offered at a variety of formats and skill levels, RTSports.com is the only destination for the fantasy player who wants it all. Plus, RT Sports offers the most reliable and quickest payouts for any level of fantasy player. Do you like trades? Hate trades? Want a league for just three weeks? No problem. RTSports.com offers it all. And to ease the gameplay for all kinds of players, we're optimized for desktop, phone, or your tablet, making it simple to play wherever, whenever. Ready to get started? Head to rtsports.com slash lobby to check out all the games we have to offer and sign up to play today. rtsports.com, everything a fantasy player could ever want under one award-winning roof. Back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galina here with Frankie Cheech Stanford, Pete Considori producing our show. And uh, he may recreate uh, the croupier personality that he uh, helped us with last week. Might do some uh, fantasy football roulette as we go over uh, week two in fantasy football. It's not just a personality, Joe. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's a lifestyle for our Pete Considori. That's right. That's his career, man. I mean, the guy's a, he's a croupier. He's a pretty damn he's, good one, too. He's a two-hit wonder, also. <laughs> <laughs> We're up in the ante here? Yeah, two-hit wonder? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you might have been out the, the week where he actually uh, performed another uh, another song for us. I think I was. Yeah. That makes me sad. Well, don't be sad. All right. Wasn't that good? No. Uh, <laughs> wow. You know, I'm hurt now. He's right there. I'm Joey. right here. I oh, can hear darn. you. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, Pete. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It was all right. Yeah, only because I said something. Now you said <laughs> whatever, guys. Uh, so why don't we continue a little uh, with the Bengals uh, and uh, that snooze fest that was Thursday night? I, I mean, a lot of people are really down on Thursday night football overall. But I mean, it was just these two teams that we we knew going in with a rookie quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, He was going to have, you know, some learning to do, you know. And uh, the Bengals got shut out week one against the Ravens. Uh, Andy Dalton had thrown four picks. Offensive line looked bad. So, I I mean, we kind of figured it would be a a low-scoring game. Yeah, and I mean, the Bengals' offense has now gone eight straight quarters, and that's at home without scoring an offensive touchdown. The last uh, Bengal touchdown scored by Rex Burkhead, right? (laughs) (laughs) And now he's gone, so he's not even on the team anymore. Uh, It's a good point there, Joey. I wanted to bring up the Bengals a little bit, though, because I think what they're they're about to do, they promote Bill Lazor, who was the QB coach. He'll Mm -hmm. take over as the offensive coordinator. I looked into him a little bit. Uh, The last time he was an offensive coordinator uh, for a full season was with the Miami Dolphins back in 2014, Uh, and that team was 11th in in scoring um, that season, their offense. And Lamar Miller was still on the Dolphins then and had his best year. He had 1,099 rushing yards on just 216 attempts, so 5.1 yards per carry, Mm -hmm. uh, nine total touchdowns. I don't want to read too much into that, but I think after the game, you saw A.J. Green come out and say, this team needs to get the ball into the hands of their playmakers. Mm -hmm. He was adamant about that after the game, and I think that they're going to start to figure out that Joe Mixon 
is one of their playmakers. And right. I know that this is a very frustrating situation for people who maybe drafted a little bit early on. You took him in the third, fourth round. I think as we got closer to the season, he started to slip a little bit. I, for one, I, I was in a 10-team league, and I got him in the sixth round of a draft. Mm-hmm. I haven't started him yet. I haven't had to because, right. obviously, in a 10-team league, uh, your team's going to be a little bit more stacked. You're going to be a little bit... Uh, you're going to just have overall more talent to work with. So I haven't started him yet. I haven't had to. But I think now is the time to buy low yep, you read on, my mind, yes. on a Joe Mixon because I'm not sure that his value will ever be lower. Uh, just watch the eye test. You know, Even behind a bad offensive line, he ran nine times for 36 yards in that game against the Texans. That's mm-hmm. four yards a carry. I mean, he, no, it's not amazing, but look at what Jeremy Hill did. Six, six, yards, uh, six carries for 17 yards. Gio Bernard, five carries for 10 yards. So, I mean, in comparison... He was incrementally better than them. Like, yeah. He was much better behind the same offensive line. And I think that Bill Lazor is going to figure out that for this team to be competitive this season, they just have to do a lot of quick hitter stuff. Uh, the offensive line is really bad. they got to get rid of the ball quickly out of Andy Dalton's hands, whether that's you know throw a quick screen pass out to a Joe Mixon, hit him in the flat, uh, maybe even have him line up in the slot, hit him with a quick slant over the middle. Get the ball in the hands of a Joe Mixon or A.J. Green, you know, even if it's close to the line of scrimmage, and let those guys try and make yards after the catch or whatever it is. I think that he's going to figure out that those guys are going to have to be the focal point of this offense. So I'm calling for right now, buy low on Joe Mixon. His value will never be lower than this. And I think you could get him for dirt cheap, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, disgruntled Mixon owner, no doubt. If you look at snap counts uh, for Bengals running backs, uh, past couple weeks it's been Giovanni Bernard who has had the most. In week two, he had 33, Mixon 16, and, and Hill 15. Now, Bernard's not going anywhere because of his uh, pass-blocking skills. And with the weak offensive line, you're going to see plenty of Bernard in there just by necessity. So, uh, but I agree with you, Mixon. You know, we've talked about it all preseason long. He is the most talented Bengals running back. Uh, Hill in the past, he, you know, he's found a way to find the the end zone. But I kind of agree with you. I think that eventually, and hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Mixon is really uh, utilized. In that uh, in that offense, yeah. So I'm looking at Nathan Janky's Twitter right now, and if you don't follow him, I mean, he's great. He tweets out about a bunch of the uh, the offensive snap counts yeah, uh, at PFF underscore Nate Janky. Uh, but he says through two games, Gio Bernard has 62 total offensive snaps. I think that's fine. I agree with you. He's going to have a role on this team. Uh, regardless of you know how much Joe Mixon is playing, he's going to play. Like mm-hmm. That is without a doubt. He's going to come in on passing downs. Uh, and just look at game flow from the first two games. They were trailing in both of those games, and that sets up well for a Gio Bernard-type environment. Jeremy Hill, the fact that he has 25 offensive snaps through two games uh, and just 13 less than Joe Mixon, I mean, that's just taking away from you know carries and, and receptions that... Joe Mixon should be getting. I mean, yeah. it's not you can't really make an argument for Jeremy Hill over Joe Mixon in any way, shape, or form. Even on the goal line. I mean, Joe Mixon is 6'1", 230. Like, mm-hmm. he's a pretty big back, too. Like, he's going to be able to work on the goal line if they want him to do that. So, I just think it's a matter of time until Jeremy Hill is just going away in this offense and Joe Mixon is going to be able to pick it up. Will, uh, will he ever be efficient in terms of yards per carry this season? Probably not, because this offensive line is bad. I mean, we continuously spoke about that. That's what we were worried about uh, across the NFL. Mm-hmm. This offensive line play is absolutely atrocious, and they lost uh, two great offensive linemen in the offseason. So, I yep. mean, it's not going to be a good offensive line. Like I oh. mentioned, I think they just have to do a lot of quick stuff yep. out of the backfield. Mixon could or, catch the ball out of the backfield. He's good yeah. at that. 
Absolutely, definitely. I, if you could buy low on a AJ Green too, I mean, personally, I don't know how low you can, yeah. but you're right. I mean, I mean, if people are freaking out after yeah. two weeks, there are definitely owners that are going to do that. Mm-hmm. If you could buy low on an AJ Green, I mean, it's it's an absolute no brainer. Um, what about on the other side of the Texans? Since we're talking yes. about the Bengals, uh, Lamar Miller and Dante Foreman. Uh, Miller, 49 snaps, 18 for 61 yards. Uh, Foreman, 17 snaps, 12 for 40 yards. I don't know, just watching the game, Foreman just looked like the more explosive running back. Uh, Miller's going to have his role. He's also a good pass catcher t- uh, as well. But uh, And we've spoken about Miller that he's best when his carries are limited. You know, he's probably like 15, which sounds so weird to, to say. 18, yeah, which sounds weird because I mean, normally what we want for fantasy is we want volume. Yeah. We want uh, as many touches as we can possibly get. But look, look at what I was just talking about before with the season, the the year that he had his best season. He had just 216 carries, yeah. and he averaged 5.1 yards per carry. That's more of the back who Lamar Miller is. He's not. You look at the way he's built. He's not built to be a, you know, 20 touches per game, get 270 carries over the course of a season and another, you know, 30, 40 receptions. He's not a guy who's built to have 300 touches mm-hmm. in a season. So I think in this situation, which is not the case for a lot of players in the NFL or for fantasy football, less is better for mm-hmm. Lamar Miller. You keep him fresh, keep him in that 15 to 18 touch range, uh, get Deontay Foreman more involved. What the Texans are going to do and what they've always been about as long as Bill O'Brien has been there is running the football. I mean, mm-hmm. the past three years with him at the helm, they've been top five in carries each one of those years. So I don't think that's going to stop. I think uh, this is a recipe that we're going to see for them throughout the season. Deshaun Watson, 25 to 30 pass attempts per game. I think that's where he's going to live at right now. Uh, and it's going, to, it's going to get closer to, I don't want to say 50-50, but maybe a 60-40 split for... Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman moving forward. Maybe uh, Lamar Miller getting those 15 to 18 touches we were just talking about and Deontay Foreman getting 12 to 15. And that's exactly how it worked out in this game. And I agree with you, just watching the eye test, Mm -hmm. Deontay Foreman just looked better. He looked more explosive. It looked like it was easier for him to to get the edge on the outside. He looked uh, just a little bit more explosive. I think he's just uh, overall a bigger back. Maybe he's a guy who can be used on the goal line. Does it hurt Lamar Miller? Probably a little bit, especially that last part I mentioned. If this starts to work onto the goal line as well, where they think Deontay Foreman is the bigger back, the more durable guy who can punch it in, yeah, maybe that affects Lamar Miller, but I'm just going to go back to what I said. I think less is better for Lamar Miller, where you don't need the volume with him. If he touches the ball less, it'll keep him fresher, and you know he can be more efficient that way, You know, mm-hmm. uh, where he's not getting dinged up as much as he was last year. It just seemed like you know, every time we were talking about Lamar Miller, he was a little bit banged up last year. He's just not built for that. So can these two guys coexist together? Yeah. I didn't want to draft Lamar Miller in the third, fourth round. We got him in the GST draft in round five. Mm-hmm. If you were able to get him there, I think that was a good value. Uh, because of you know the touches that I was projecting for him and that Deontay Foreman was going to be uh, certainly involved in the offense. And so, I mean, do you I think, still think Foreman eventually has standalone fantasy value? Yeah. I mean, if he's getting 12 to 15 touches per game, whether it's a standard or a PPR, he, he's going to be in consideration for flex. If you're getting 15 touches per game at running back, you're going to be in consideration for flex. Uh, I still think Lamar Miller, if he's getting the touches that we're projecting moving forward, he's still a solid RB2. Personally, I just didn't like him in that RB3, RB4 range. Round three, round four range. All right. When we come back, we'll uh, go over some more injuries that you have to deal with in week two. Uh, We'll talk Arizona Cardinals. And we're not 
going to be talking about David Johnson, and uh, we'll also get to Odell Beckham Jr. What's going on, Maria? Let me tell you something. You look excited. I'm so excited. What are you excited for? Uh, Lineup Lock Live, which is our show every Sunday on Fantasy Sports Network, Dish, Television, YouTube Live, and on the Fantasy Radio app. I'm excited to wake up early with you on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, all the way to kickoff. Four hours. Absolutely. It's going to be the two of us, Emery Hunt, and a cast of experts. Experts that win fantasy football championships, and they want to help you win, too. So we'll talk sit starts. We'll talk injuries. We'll talk weather. And we will take your calls and yes. questions and help you win your leagues and win that cash. So good. So fun. So excited. What I can I say? I cannot think of doing anything. <laughs> else on a Sunday morning. I don't need eggs. I don't need prayer. I just need lineup lock live 9 a.m. to kick off Eastern. Be there. And welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update where we're getting you ready for the second Sunday of fantasy football. My name is Joe Galeen. I'm here with my buddy Frankie Cheech Stampo. And Pete Considori is, uh, as always, doing a great job producing our show. And uh, so uh, why don't we get to one of the biggest names uh, in fantasy that we're going to have to be dealing with this weekend in terms of whether to start him or not. And this is the second weekend in a row. We, we mentioned that uh, at the Open, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, looks like he's still questionable, but uh, they say he's trending towards playing. Now, what I, I was watching, like he, he had uh, a bunch of reporters by his locker, and he said, you know, this uh, originally was supposed to be like a six- to eight-week uh, injury. And, you know, I, I, he didn't seem like, you know, he, he thought he did anything wrong. But I bet you that, that head coach uh, Ben McAdoo probably didn't appreciate him spilling the beans on that. That probably wasn't meant for public consumption, right? I mean, because McAdoo has been so careful as just to, you know, not release much information about this injury. You know, and it kind of got to maybe a couple hours before game time before on Sunday night before we found out that Beckham wasn't playing. Yeah, it seems like a handful. Imagine like trying to have to like manage Odell Beckham. Like obviously he's very outspoken. He's he's got a very big character, uh, and and uh, you know stuff like that happening. You know, you know we joke about it, but in all in all seriousness, you see him doing like these little dance videos and stuff when he's supposed to have an ankle injury. So it just kind of makes you puts question. himself in bad situations. Absolutely, you know? and I don't. We don't need to bring up Zeke, but you know that's one of the things that Zeke has continued to do: put himself in situations where you know. Bad things could happen and, and bad. And everyone has a cell phone with a, a beautiful camera and could video yeah. and take pictures of you. So just everyone should be, you know, realize that that could happen, that that could just, a video could go viral. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all about perception too, right? Like, you know, if he pulls down a girl's shirt, I mean, you ask me, <laughs> I, I, I probably won't say that's a bad thing. No, well, he I'm didn't kidding, pull it but... down, he pulled it up. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, either way, I mean, you got to see some knockers, but... <laughs> No, no, I, I get what you're saying, though, Joey. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's just got to, he's just got to, you know, mature and make better choices. I mean, when you look back to the end of last season, you know, right before the playoff game against the Packers, you know, he and a few Giants are partying on a on a on a, a yacht. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. it's just, yeah, we'll never forget just, that. Yeah, just make some smart 
choices, please. I mean, you have all the talent in the world, Odell. Just, you know, put it to use, man. It's a different day and age, too, because I'm sure, you know, if there were camera phones back in the 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, the things that you would have saw some of these athletes doing, yeah. it, it probably, you know, you probably wouldn't even be able to compare it to today. Right, probably, right. you know... It, for all we know, it could have been way worse. But it was a just different a different sport. It's a different do- Mickey time Mantle, period. right? Mickey Mantle for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, he used to get bombed every night, and you know he would play uh, on the field with hangover, and you know, it's just. But you're right, and that's part of what led to his downfall too, yeah. right? Is mm-hmm. the fact that you know he partied too hard, mm-hmm. and I think he like contracted a bunch of diseases and stuff. So I mean, it was. It was I think he eventually, crazy time. in his older age, I think he needed a, a liver transplant or whatnot. But but I'm just. I brought it up because you said, yeah, it's a different time. You know, uh, in the 60s when Mantle was playing, you know, he had the uh, beat reporters in the palm of his hand and nobody had, uh, you know, a, a pocket video camera that they could just, you know, record what was going on. But uh, so, look, my opinion, if Odell is playing, I mean, he's definitely going to be limited. Uh, decoy? I mean, it's certainly a possibility. Here's the thing. If you own him... And he plays. I mean, you have to get him in your lineup. And it's a Monday night game. That's the issue as well. I mean, two weeks in a row we've had to deal with whether or not to start him. Two weeks in a row it's been uh, in a situation like last Sunday was an 8.30 game. So you had to kind of manage your lineup very carefully. Now we're talking about a Monday night game. So, Yeah, I mean, the difference between last week and this week is uh, even though it was a Sunday night game last week, we had two Monday night games to choose from You know, as insurance policies Mm -hmm. where if he didn't start, you had more guys on your bench available. Now we're talking about, okay, it's the Monday night game, it's the Lions and the Giants. There's not as many insurance policies available now. I mean, Kenny Galladay was a very popular waiver wire pick this week. I imagine he probably went for something like 20% of fab budgets, Mm -hmm. or he was the very high waiver claim. In Uh, your 10-team league, is he owned? Uh, that is it. That is the NFFC cut line. That yeah. was like twenty six round draft. So oh, okay. yeah, he is owned. That, no, that's a very the, deep. Yeah, because I'm in a typical ten team league. Maybe he, he might he still might be still be out there on waiver wires. But I mean, those are the kind of insurance policies policies you have to have in place. Uh, similar to what I said last week, if you could get Odell Beckham in your flex spot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that allows more versatility because then you have some tight ends to choose from and an Evan Ingram. If Odell Beckham doesn't play, or an Eric Ebron, if you know someone freaked out after one week and dropped him because he had a terrible game in week one, mm-hmm. uh, Sterling Shepard is the obvious other name that comes uh, to mind, and Kenny Galladay. If I mean, if you're in a deep Marvin league, Jones, I don't know. If you're in a deep pro- league, uh, Roger Lewis, but I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to go near that. Right. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking like 14, 16. If you have no other options there. I mean, that's a guy that you can yeah. look at. And Marvin but, Jones is probably heavily owned anyway, so that's that might not be. Not, yeah, the biggest problem option. is that it's a Monday night game. You know, mm-hmm. if it was, if it was a one o'clock game or even a four thirty game, we would know much more in advance, and mm-hmm. we would have a lot more other options. The thing is, right now, I still have him ranked as my wide receiver fourteen this week. Mm-hmm. It's a little low, but look, he's not 100%. Um, you know, some guys that I have just ahead of him, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill. Realistically, those guys are probably in your lineup alongside Odell Beckham. It's not like we're, you know, we, you're so stacked where you can afford to just bench him for some of these guys that I have ranked ahead of him. You know, you're not going to go out there and just not knowing if he's going to play on Monday, start a guy like a, a Kelvin Benjamin or, a, or an Emmanuel Sanders or, or even a Cooper Cup. You can't start those guys over him. And mm-hmm. even a 75% healthy Odell Beckham is probably better than, you know, half the players on the field anyway. So he could be used as a decoy, but if he's playing, you have to get him in your line. Right. And just to, just 
to uh, reiterate what we were talking about before with Odell Beckham Jr. making some bad choices, there was a video that surfaced, right? Of him having a dance-off yeah. with Russell Westbrook. So that, that's kind of what we were getting at. But um, can we talk maybe, uh, since we're talking about the Giants, want to talk a little Eli Manning? Absolutely. Okay. What do you got? So uh, first two seasons playing in the West Coast offense under McAdoo, I thought he did pretty good. I mean, consecutive seasons of 4,400-plus passing yards, 30-plus touchdowns. Then last season he kind of, you know, Something happened. He took like a step back. I mean, 26 touchdowns down to 4,027 passing yards. He had 16 interceptions, four fumbles. That accounted for 74% of giant turnovers, right? Ben McAdoo took him to task, uh, you know, talking about his footwork and whatnot. So this is going to be Manning's fourth season in that uh, McAdoo West Coast offense. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little concerned. Uh, if you look at what the Giants did last year, they, they, they were one of, uh, I think it was four teams that didn't score at least 30 points in a game last season. So, I mean, now he's got that glove on his left hand. I mean, is it an homage to Michael Jackson? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is all this like starting to get in his head? I mean, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, and I know... And I don't want to get overly concerned because it's week one, but... Greg Sussman is very adamant about this as well because, you know, the Giants in the offseason, their biggest concern, their biggest question mark was their offensive line, and they did nothing to help that in the offseason. I mean, not they didn't use draft picks. They didn't use any of their salary cap. You know what they used their money on? They signed Rhett Ellison right. at a blocking tight end, yeah. which, which I get... All right, maybe that helps a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. You need offensive linemen, yeah. and, and they went out and they drafted an Evan Ingram too. So, it, it, looking back on it, it makes you scratch your head even more. I don't know the exact number, but Greg always brings up the streak of games where the Giants have scored either twenty points or less, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think it's up to like eight or nine, uh, yeah. dating back to last year. So, in the playoffs, they scored thirteen points, and then just looking back on it, um, last year, week seventeen, they scored nineteen points. Uh, week 16, they scored 19 points. The week before that, 17. Just going down the list, 10 points, uh, 14 points. So they haven't scored 20 or more points since November 27th of last year. Mm-hmm. And that was against the Cleveland Browns, the right. lowly Cleveland Browns. And they scored 27 points in that game. Right. So it's now been 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 if you count the playoffs, and then 7 this year. A 7-game yeah. streak where they have scored less than 20 points mm-hmm. with a team with Odell Beckham. Uh, I mean, last year they they still had Sterling Shepard, um, and and they had they had some they still have some pieces. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have Odell Beckham, you shouldn't struggle to get to twenty points. It, right. it doesn't matter. But the biggest key here is the offensive line. And you know, the fact that they didn't bring anything in, I found it super weird in the off season when Ben McAdoo's calling out Eli Manning. Yeah. I mean, this guy has won two Super Bowls, right. and, and the, not just one. He's been the MVP. I mean, and look, you know, the the way I introduced the topic you know it sounded like i was going off on eli well he does have to take some responsibility but you're right i mean the offensive line has just been been terrible (laughs) we've seen this in the nfl i mean quarterbacks it's crazy to say but they're only as good as their offensive line joe Mm -hmm. i mean look at tom brady throughout his career this is a guy who you know we hear stories he takes his offensive linemen out to out to (laughs) five-star restaurant dinners and stuff and he pays them back because they protect him Mm -hmm. he's had such an illustrious career because he's had such a good offensive line i mean these quarterbacks are really only as good as their offensive line especially a guy like eli manning who is not mobile in the pocket he is not athletic he's Mm -hmm. not going to go outside uh, and and make plays with his legs or throw on the run. Eli Manning is not one of those quarterbacks. So for Ben McAdoo in the offseason to call out 
his footwork, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe Eli Manning is on the backside of his career. This is a guy who has always struggled with decision making in terms of interceptions and fumbles, and. For that team not to do anything on the offensive line, they have nobody to blame but themselves, not Eli Manning. It's it's absolutely baffling to me, the fact that they're trying to blame Eli Manning. But yeah, he's only as good as his offensive line. For fantasy purposes, I mean, what are you going to do with him? In a two-quarterback league, if you draft him, you probably don't have any other option but to start him. Right. But in a one-quarterback league, I mean, personally, I don't see any week that you can feel good about putting him in your lineup. Right. Yeah, not for the near future. Uh, what you think about, well, when we come back, if you want, we'll talk maybe a little Brandon Marshall. Then we got to talk Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back with more fantasy football weekend fantasy update. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. And we're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Week one of the NFL season in the books, and we're in the middle of week two of fantasy football and helping you make uh, some uh, lineup decisions. Give us a call, 844-843-6879. Tweet out to us at FNTSY Radio. And if you're new to daily fantasy sports... Well, Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single-entry contests only. Fantasy Factor is running a $50 weekly NFL contest that is free entry. Simply sign up and enter www.fantasyfactor.com. Sign up now. And uh, so uh, before uh, we went to commercial, I'm here with my friend Frankie Cheech Stample. I'm Joe Galena, by the way. What's up? Uh, just we were talking Giants, just real quick. Uh, any concern over uh, Brandon Marshall's play last week, or was that just game the way that the game unfolded? You think? I mean, he really was pretty non-existent. One catch just before the end of the game. Yeah, I'm so surprised that they didn't target him more. I mean, very similar to the Bengals situation. I'm not going to compare Brandon Marshall uh, to AJ Green entirely, but you know, if you know that your offensive line is this bad, why don't you just throw some short, quick passes to a Brandon Marshall? I mean, yeah, he's 33 years old, but he's he's just you know one year removed from having over 1,400 receiving yards. Right. I mean, he like broke Jets records. Like across the board for receiving in that season, so I'm not gonna say that. How he's... hard is it to break Jets records? Oh, come, come on, on, Joey. No, come you're, on. You're, you're not. You're not wrong <laughs> though. Not like he's uh, breaking 49ers records where Jerry Rice was the. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm not ready to say that he's just done and he's washed up. I think. Yeah, I don't think he you is. know, if you just 
throw him some short passes out in space and let him kind of try and you know do some work after the catch I, I you know I think he would have been a lot more successful to only to target him four times in that game I thought it was absolutely ridiculous because they were you know they were throwing the ball mm-hmm. I and mean, they were targeting other guys they threw it to you know Roger Lewis was a name that I just brought up he yeah. had more, more targets than Brandon 44 Marshall that snaps game. Uh, Lewis played uh, 49 for Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard 57. So yeah, uh, you brought up a good point. I, I thought Ingram would have a you know uh, Evan Ingram would have a bigger game tight end, um, and then that that running game was just uh, atrocious. <laughs> yeah, I wrote about it this week on on Roto Experts. It was uh, Shane Vereen versus Paul Perkins because you break down the snaps there too. Shane Vereen played 31, yep. and Paul Perkins was under 20 at something like 18, 18 yep. snaps. Uh, and it just goes back to the offensive line. He's mm-hmm. not going to be able to run uh, behind that. It doesn't matter who you put behind that offensive line; they're not going to be able to run. Uh, and just game flow wise, it looks like you know if their defense is on the field a lot this year, then maybe they end up trailing in some games, and that sets up well for Shane Vereen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in on those passing downs. I wrote about it. Shane Vereen actually finished as a top fifteen running back in yeah. PPR this week because he had nine receptions. He didn't have a single carry. But he didn't need one. I, I think we could be a few weeks away from where Paul Perkins is actually a guy that you could drop on your teams. Yeah, I, I think that Orlean Dark was going to have a little bit. Uh, he seems to be a little bit more explosive, to tell you the truth, than than Perkins. I mean, Perkins has that good elusiveness, but he just runs into piles, doesn't move him. Uh, and you're right about Shane Vereen. Uh, I think when he was with the the Patriots, right? Didn't he have like uh, yeah, fifteen? Uh, well, he had 59 receptions in 2015 with the Giants. That's 52 his role. 52 with the, uh, the Patriots. I mean, he's going ca- exactly. to catch the ball. He's yeah. not going to run between the tackles. And he's a good but... guy to have as a check down, you know, with the offensive line uh, collapsing around. Yeah, Manning. I mean, so use him as plenty an, of play. an extension of the running game, similar mm-hmm. to what the Detroit Lions did last year. The Detroit Lions... They haven't been able to run the ball for years, uh, but last year they were still successful because they used Theo Riddick out of the backfield as an extension of the running game, throwing mm-hmm. him short passes and picking up five, six, seven yards that way instead of trying to run the ball between the tackles when they knew they couldn't do it. So maybe that's the route that the Giants choose to go down, and personally I feel like that's what they should do. Just getting back to Brandon Marshall real quick, Joe, if you own him, mm-hmm. how far down are you on him this week? Because I don't even have him as a top 36 wide receiver this week. Yeah. I have him outside that range. You know, I'd, I'd rather start guys like Rashard Matthews, Corey Absolutely. Coleman over him, yeah. uh, Pierre Garçon. I know tough matchup against the Seahawks, but... It's not like Sherman is just going to absolutely shadow him, right. and Pierre Garçon is still the top target in that offense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have Brandon Marshall at wide receiver 42. Is It, it feels a little low. Is that too low, or, or, or does that sound about right this week? Uh, I, I would fade him this week, no doubt. I mean, there's no way I put him in my lineup unless I'm playing in, you know, a 14 or 16-team league. I mean, there's just... And there are just so many other guys with good matchups, too, mm-hmm. like a Tyrell Williams against the Dolphins I mm-hmm. like this week, uh, Adam Thielen coming off a big game, Chris Hogan, who I know a yeah. lot of people warmed up to, has a great matchup against the Saints, Ted Ginn Jr., Cooper Cup I would start over him this mm-hmm. week, could have a nice game against uh, the Washington Redskins. All right, cool. So I just wanted to make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, you reinforce my belief yeah. that I have uh, Brandon Marshall outside the top 40 at that wide you receiver. You could even take, uh, you know, a Arizona Cardinal wide receiver to start not named John Brown because John Brown is going to be out this week right uh looks like he could be out for a few weeks 
yeah, dealing with that quad issue. Yeah. We know he has the sickle cell trait. It takes him uh, longer to recover from these soft tissue injuries. So, yeah, he's been ruled out for this week already. Uh, we had a Cardinals beat writer on the other day, mainly to talk about David Johnson. But we said, you know, how does this affect Larry Fitzgerald? Our team's going to try and just zone in on him and maybe double, triple team him. But he said, you know, working out of the slot, he doesn't really envision that happening. He mm-hmm. still thinks that Larry Fitzgerald is going to be peppered with targets. So, uh, especially in this matchup this week against the Indianapolis Colts, who, you know, have no Vontae Davis. They just got torched by the, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just sounds crazy to say that Jared Goff went off and threw for 300 yards and a touchdown last week against the Colts. So, you know, this seems to be a good matchup for one Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. They allowed a lot of big plays in that game, too. So maybe a guy like J.J. Nelson yep. is kind of a lottery ticket this week. Jerome Brown, you don't, you, you like him? or I think he's a guy worth stashing. Like, mm-hmm. if you're in a 12-team league with Deeper Benches or 14-team league, or if you own John Brown, maybe pick up a Jerron Brown and see mm-hmm. what he does this week. He still played a lot of offensive snaps uh, in week one. He just didn't. He wasn't really targeted, so uh, didn't have a single reception in that game. So I, I think Jerron Brown is an interesting guy to stash. Uh, realistically, I don't think that I would want to start anyone in this passing game besides Larry Fitzgerald. Mm. And maybe Carson Palmer is like a low-end QB1 this he week. He burned me last week. He burned a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, yes. In the GST League, mm. I mean, it's Team Carson and Carson. That's mm. uh, that We have Palmer and Wentz as our quarterbacks, and we started Palmer over Wentz. I think the analysis was right, mm-hmm. but you know Carson Wentz went out and did his thing, and Palmer just absolutely laid an egg. What about that that nine second scramble that Carson Wentz, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, avoiding uh, being sacked and, that was and awesome. hitting uh, Nelson Aguilar for what is it a forty nine yard touchdown pass? That was amazing. That was like, <laughs> I mean, you watching it, that, that must have given you some flashbacks of Eli back yeah. in the Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> escaping all that pressure and then making the big play yeah. downfield to, to David Tyree. That's mm-hmm. what I was talking to my buddies about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, yeah, that was awesome. Just watching Carson Wentz, I mean, I don't want to get too off the Cardinals right here, yeah. but he's a, he's incredibly mobile. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's an athletic quarterback. He can escape pressure, uh, but still has a good offensive line. I think big things are coming for the yeah. Eagles' offense and Carson Carson Wentz in the future. Yeah. I wrote about him uh, for the Roto Experts as a sleeper uh, for this year, so we'll see. Hopefully he pans out for me. It makes me look good. But um, <laughs> so um, obviously, uh, David Johnson was in the news, and Kerwin Williams uh, was a hot waiver wire pickup, as was Andre Ellington. Um, what are we thinking? I mean, the Cardinals have uh, some injuries on that offensive line. Yeah, Mike Ayupati and uh, DJ Humphreys are or have already been ruled out for week two, mm-hmm. so that certainly doesn't help. But again, I mean, the matchup, the fact that they're playing the Indianapolis Colts, yeah. uh, the Colts already announced that Jacoby Brissett is going to start in that game. Mm-hmm. Maybe that makes him makes them a little bit more competitive, but he's new to the team. He he doesn't even know, you know. Can't do much worse, though, he, than Tolzien. No, he can't. <laughs> it, it, like, long term, I think it, it will help, you know, until mm-hmm. Andrew Luck gets back. But, you know, he doesn't know the entire offense yet. Right. He just got here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I think this is a game where the Cardinals can actually be up. Yeah. And if they're playing with a lead, they already announced Kerwin Williams is going to be the featured back yeah. in this game. Early downs, right? Yeah, early and, downs, yeah. first and second down. And I know it's a small sample size, but he's averaged 5.4 yards per carry yeah. throughout his NFL career. I it's very last brief. year in college, he actually had some pretty good numbers. He uh, caught some catches out of the backfield, which isn't going to be what they're expecting him to do. Andre Ellington is going to be that yeah. guy. Uh, but uh, he put up some good numbers, like I said, in his last year of college, 2012. So he does have some talent, uh, but uh, he definitely is not David Johnson, right? And uh, Jacoby Brissett, 
uh, look, he's going to have a tough time against that defense, the Arizona Cardinals defense. But in his last two seasons at North Carolina State, 43 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So I think he's a better option than Scott Tolzien uh, at this point. And, uh, I mean, do you, do you fade? Who could you start out of that, Card- uh, out of that Colts? Let's move on because Cardinals are playing the Colts. Yep. I mean, I mean, T. Y. Hilton. I mean, if you draft him, nobody. you almost have to start him. But start nobody. Yeah. I mean, some some guys that I have ranked ahead of uh, T. Y. Hilton. I have him right in that Brandon Marshall range this week. Uh, I would start Corey Coleman over him, Rashard Matthews, uh, even Sammy Watkins going up against Josh Norman, and then all those other guys I mentioned too: Tyrell Williams, Steelen, Hogan, Ted Ginn. Uh, Cooper Cup. These are some guys you could have got late in drafts. I would start all of them over T.Y. Hilton this week. I'm just fading the entire Colts offense. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be cautious this week and see, wait, take a wait and see approach with the Jacoby reset. And if I end up being wrong, I mean, that's just something I'll swallow. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I don't want to put them out there with any like realistic expectation that they're going to do anything. So, I mean, the Colts, I'm fading all of them this week. And I only own, I think I have like one share of Frank Gore mm-hmm. across like six or seven leagues, and he's on my bench this week. Um, so, but Yeah, Marlon Mack actually 17 snaps last week to Gore's 19. So, look, if the Colts are going to be as bad as we think they will be for the rest of the season, because we don't know when luck is coming back, who knows, Mack uh, could end up, you know, taking some of uh, Gore's work away from him. Yeah, especially if they're trailing in games, don't have much to play for. I think eventually once they are more competitive in games or if Andrew Luck returns, maybe that's when we see more of a, of a Frank Gore. But, you know, if they start off 0-5, 0-6, or, you know, one win in that span, maybe they just hand it off to Marlon Mag and see what he can do for the rest of the season. They got to find out. I mean, Frank Gore isn't the future of this team. Yep. Yep. Well, we'll be back with more Fantasy Football Talk, a weekend fantasy update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Sports Grid delivers sports news with a twist, including rumors, fantasy, and everything else fans love to read when they're supposed to be working. Come to SportsGrid.com for the other side of the story. And we're back on Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galina, Frankie Cheat, Stanford, Pico Sidori, producing our show. And I want to remind you that the Fantasy Sports Radio Network is teaming up with DKMS and Fantasy Draft in the fight against blood cancer. Just log in to rotoexperts.com slash DKMS to learn more about the fight against blood cancer. You'll be able to register as a blood marrow donor and learn about the disease and, and how to fight uh, the fight against it. And uh, uh, you could also make a donation if you like. But uh, you can have a lot of fun because there's a link to a, a weekly contest uh, at Fantasy Draft where you could put in a weekly uh, DFS contest. And the winner of each week will compete in week 17 for a chance to win two tickets to the Super Bowl. So uh, next hour, Frank and I are going to go over. We put in lineups because we're in this. We, I want to go to Super Bowl, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Go, go see my Jets. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> next hour, we'll go over our lineups. But we have a couple of callers on the line. Uh, I believe Dylan from California is first. Yeah. Hey, Dylan, how's it going? Good. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Uh, you have a question. What's the question, buddy? 
Yeah, I have two questions. One, should I start Galladay or Michael Thomas in my flex? And the second question is, should I uh, double set Hooper Gronkowski or with uh, Corey Davis or Gronkowski in the flex position? So the first question is, Kenny Galladay or Michael Thomas? Yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> this is easily Michael Thomas for me. Yeah. He, he was a borderline first-round pick. Uh, and is going to be in a shootout against the Patriots. That game has the highest over-under total this week at 56 points. So I'm expecting a lot there. And then the second one, it sounds like Gronk is going to be locked in anyway, and you're asking uh, Cooper Cup and who was the other? Oh, Corey Davis, right? Yeah. All right, yeah, I'm going Cooper Cup in that matchup. Yeah. Uh, I like Corey Davis for the season long. Definitely uh, like his upside this season, but tough matchup against the Jaguars if he gets one of A.J. Boye or Jalen Ramsey guarding him there. Uh, the Rams, the Rams. look, uh, there should be some points scored in that game against the Redskins as well. I think Josh Norman is going to shadow Sammy Watkins, which is going to leave some opportunity for Cooper Cup over the middle of the field, so I will go with Cooper Cup there. Yeah, but hold on to Corey Davis, like uh, Frank Absolutely. said. I think by season's end, he's going to be something else. So, But uh, thank you for calling in, Dylan. Everyone. All right, take care. Uh, we also have another caller. Is it Cortez from Memphis? Yeah, our he's guy our buddy, from yeah. last week. You there, Cortez? Hey, guys, what's going on? Yes, sir. What's going on, fellas? So much. How are you? Yes, sir. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I just wanted to... um. Bounce a flex question off you off you guys this weekend. You 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 nailed it for me last week. I don't know if you you remember. I was trying yeah. to decide between Demarius and Stefan, and you both told me go with Diggs, <laughs> and we see how that turned yeah. out. <laughs> Let's try to go two so, for two. Yeah. So yeah, I, um, this week I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm in a um I'm in a twelve team full point PPR, and I'm trying to decide between um and in my flex I've got a uh, Garcon who I'm a little nervous about this week, <laughs> but uh, my other options would be, um, it'd be Tyrell Williams, Cooper Cup, or Buck Allen. I- I'm pretty set at my starter, you know, on at wide out and running back, but my flex, like I said, it's either Garcon, Cup, Buck Allen, or Tyrell Williams. What do you guys think would be the best route for me to go, your opinion? Yeah, I I understand that Pierre Garçon was probably the highest drafted one out of that group, but uh, you're right. Tough matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm actually leading Cooper Cup here as well, Mm -hmm. Joe. I have him inside my top 36 at wide receiver this week. Looks like he's going to be Jared Goff's top target. Spoke about it a little bit. I think Sammy Watkins could have a a tough day with Josh Norman on him, which will lead to more targets for Cooper Cup over the middle of the field. So I expect him to have a big game. It's close between him and Tyrell Williams, because I like Tyrell against the Miami Dolphins. As well, but I am leaning Cooper Cup, especially in PPR. Yep, yep. And Garcon's going to get his targets, but uh, I agree with Frank. Cup is the way to go this week. Good luck to you. Give us a call next week, Cortez. Let us know how you did. Thanks, fellas. Good luck to you. You got to. All right. So, uh, everyone's working on their lineups like they should, right? All right. We'll be back with more fantasy football talk at the top of the hour on Weekend Fantasy Update.